Alright, and welcome to the Rory's Nitro Podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares some of our own winners in pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, back once again riding solo for some more 1996 timeline coming to you, and we're going to look at the September 1996 pay-per-view events from WCW and the WWF. The WWF produced In Your House 10 Mind Games on September 22nd, 1996, coming to us from the Core State Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, in front of an attendance of 13,000. And Fall Brawl was a WCW event, coming to us from the Lawrence Joel Veterans Memorial Coliseum in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, September 15th, 96, in front of a crowd of 11,300. Before we get into the specifics of each show, I'm going to just preempt this one by saying this might be the most I've enjoyed watching two shows for this podcast yet. Um, I'm sure I've said that before, but as far as the pay-per-views go, and particularly the 96 timeline, I... I had never seen Fall Brawl before, and I had great memories of Mind Games, particularly the main event. So I watched Mind Games first and thought, oh, like, Fall Brawl's not going to beat this. And I logged in and watched Fall Brawl, and I tell you what, it's going to be a hell of a lot closer than I first thought, because Fall Brawl was perhaps up until this point, in my opinion, the best WCW pay-per-view yet. As far as match quality, storylines, everything all rolled into one, this was a hell of a show. So I think we're going to have a bit of a close one on our hands here, and you're not going to hear too much ranting and raving from me for a change. So without further ado, I think we head over and check out what Mind Games has to offer and put these bad boys to the test. Behold the face of fear, the mind of madness. Behold the horror that may soon be champion. I am afraid of what I might do, but I no longer have control of my mind. Pray that this man can stop the insanity. Pray for him if he doesn't. Have a nice day. In the theater of the mind, the stage can be treacherous. These performers are enigmas. One is ethereal, the other bizarre. One wears the mask of deception. He exposes the hidden fears imprisoned within his opponent. Battered egos are his plaything. But this man fears no one. He is the shadow of death. With the stench of betrayal still hanging in the air, the mastermind of its origin may be within his grasp. Tonight, one will bow when the final curtain falls. If the eyes are the window to the soul, what horrors are locked in the basement of this man's tortured mind? Is his sanity trapped in a maze of madness, or is he a willing soldier in the realm of darkness? In the light, there is hope. A champion whose body is virile, whose will is unmatched. In his usual battlefield, he has achieved the highest of honors. But when war begins in the psyche and sanity struggles with lunacy, which will survive? Can the champion continue to live his dream? Or will he awaken in this man's nightmare? Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the brand spanking brand new Core 
Stage Center, the site of In Your House Mind Games. Hello, everyone. Vince McMahon here, along with Mr. Perfect, along with Jim Ross, and we're likely to see some mind games here tonight. Mind Games starts with that classic entrance that you've probably all heard before um, that you would have just heard then as well um, and a commentary team of Vince McMahon, Mr. Perfect and JR. Commentary team we don't see too often um, but Mr. Perfect was in and around the booth for a short period here before he jumps back to WCW later in the year. On the free-for-all we find out that Savio Vega defeated Marty Giannetti and now he's been challenged to a Caribbean strap match by Justin Hawk Bradshaw, who is still with Uncle Zebekiah at this point in time. Harvey Whippleman's referee, which is a bit jarring for anyone that's been watching for a long time and recognizes him. We get a promo from Savio with Kevin Kelly, and then uh, Bradshaw jumps Savio early in the match. We see um, Tommy Dreamer in the Sandman sat front row. Paul Heyman's in between them. I didn't notice him at first glance, but I did notice him later on as the, crowd, as the camera gets to him again. They brawl along the outside in front of the ECW contingent here. We are in Philly, as mentioned earlier. Um, and then Sandman spits beer right in the face of Savio, really early doors. Vince tries to sort of not sell it by saying like a local Philadelphia wrestling promotion or something like that, doesn't name them. Um, Savio is quite shocked here. And we see Paul Heyman hold back uh, the Sandman. And then Gerald Briscoe comes out to escort them out of the arena. The crowd are quite stunned by this. It was a one of the better work shoots in wrestling history here because some people were in on it, but not enough people for it to become common knowledge for a long, long time. And it really created a buzz early on the show and got ECW some attention all at the same time. When we get back to the match, Savio is whipping Bradshaw. We get a good back and forth, and then we do the typical sneak behind the heel, tapping the buckles, and that's how Savio gets the win. A pretty underwhelming strap match where the most in, the most uh, noteworthy event was definitely the ECW issue that we just spoke about there. We go out to the commentary team chatting about things going on for the rest of the show, and when we get backstage, we see what looks to be Razor Ramon and Diesel beating the shit out of Savio. When they spot the camera, they hightail it out of view, so... JR is very happy to tell us that he wasn't full of shit on Raw, and Razor and Diesel are coming back to the Fed. Next, somewhat unbelievably, we go to a video package for uh, Jim Cornette and Jose Lothario's match. Um... We get a promo pre-match from Jim Cornette, and then Jose comes out to Sexy Boy, which is the most ridiculous thing of all time. Nails Cornette with a couple of punches and then a pair of uppercuts for the one, two, three. Mr. Perfect comments after the match that Jose could use some different music because he's far from being a sexy boy. And to me, that was my line of the night from Mr. Perfect. Well played, sir. From there, Brian Pillman comes out, who cuts a promo on Philadelphia and brings out Owen Hart. They then bring out Stone Cold Steve Austin, and Austin drops a classic line that you might all remember, something to do with the letter S that I'll splice in right about here. I'm sure Brett will soon be making up his mind as to whether or not he's going to return to action at all, and some believe, and certainly a lot of his family members believe he should just retire and accept all of the wonderful accolades that he has achieved here in the World Wrestling Federation. And folks, he's done it all. He really has nothing more to prove. Quit while he's ahead is what you're saying. Stone Cold, you've heard our thoughts on this. Why do you think Bret's not here? The whole world knew that Bret Hart wasn't going to show up. Stone Cold sure as hell knew that. The bottom line is when Stone Cold's in the house, Bret Hart is at his house 
because he's scared of Stone Cold, and that's the bottom line. As soon as I rolled into the WWF, Bret Hart, you packed your bags and took your carcass back to Canada. Are you trying to say Bret Hart's a chicken? Bret Hart doesn't even qualify as being a chicken. He's a slimy substance that runs out of the south end of a chicken. <laughs> Let me make myself clear. If you put the letter S in front of Hitman, you've had my exact opinion of All right, I don't think Bret we Hart. have to go there. I don't think we have to go there at all. Brett, you and me are alike in a lot of ways. You say you're the excellence of execution. I live it every day of my life. The problem with you is you always cared what these people thought. Stone Cold never gave a rat's ass about anybody. Brett, if you ever do come back, and I hope you do, son, we're gonna get in this same ring and somebody's gonna get their ass whipped and Austin 316 says it's gonna be your ass and that's the bottom line cause Stone Cold said so. And Stone Philadelphia sucks All right. cause I Stone said Gold so. Steve Austin and his commentary. From there we go to our next matchup, which is the British Bulldog and Owen Hart taking on the Smoking Guns. And in case you're wondering, yes, Owen Hart did walk back to the back to come out for the entrance. Um, challenging for the Guns tag titles here. Jim Cornette is in the first aid room and we see Clarence Mason give him a contract to sign while he's groggy. Owen Hart and the Bulldog have a poster of Sonny lowered from the ceiling, but they've graffitied a moustache and things on it, which is quite funny. Clarence Mason comes out to side with the heels. Um, sorry, the Bulldog and Owen both teams are heels here, obviously. Owen Hart with a hip toss and an arm drag and a crossbody for a two. Vince McMahon argues against JR. Um, JR saying that Owen Hart has the um, technical proficiency. Um, and somehow this leads to JR putting Vince on blast about being put on trial for steroids. So that's a hard dick move of the week here from JR bringing up Vince McMahon's steroid trial to win an argument. Star, real quick. I really believe that Owen Hart's the most technically sound athlete in this matchup. I think he's the quickest athlete as well. And that's what happens when you're a second-generation wrestler. Owen Hart could be the big difference in this contest. I would suggest it would be Davy Boy with those very same attributes. I see Davy Boy as the difference. Well, you also thought that my situation with Razor and Diesel was a ratings ploy, and it wasn't. I'd like to reserve comment on that, if you don't mind. Well, don't you think everybody should have the benefit of the doubt? You got the benefit of the doubt when you were indicted. Uh, and over there, now, wait a minute, from the other side. Owen Hart hits a chop block and then works over the knee of one of the guns, locks in a Boston Crab. The Bulldog comes in and hits delayed vertical suplex and a leg drop for a two. Um, Bart is taking a ton of offense from Owen Hart and the Bulldog as they get the heat on him. Um, Billy comes in, goes on offense, but then immediately tags back out, which is quite funny. JR mentions it as well, calling out the stupidity of it all. The guns hit the sidewinder, um, but Clarence Mason distracts the referee. Owen Hart's unable to come off the top rope onto um, Billy Gunn. The guns lock in some double-team moves before the Bulldog pushes Bart into Billy, um, who shoves Bart, and then the Bulldog is able to snatch him up in the power slam for the one, two, three. We've got some new tag team champions, and the stu- the the petulance from Billy shoving Bart is enough for Sunny to lose her mind after the match, and she fires the guns as clients. 
From there, we go backstage. Kevin Kelly is with Paul Bearer and Mankind in the bowels of the building. They cut a promo on Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker, and the WWF title. Um, okay promo, but not Mankind's best work um, in and around this time. He certainly cuts a lot better ones than this one. Our next match is Jerry the King Lawler, who cuts a promo on his way to the ring, as he used to in the 90s, taking on debutant Mark Henry. Jerry the King Lawler, who has been very active as far as mind games are concerned. Oh, yes. It all started, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> earlier today, live hey, from the Core State Center. Jerry the King Lawler threw some coffee, or what we thought was coffee, right into the face of a... a well, Mark Henry, Mark Henry was absolutely flabbergasted that the King would even you know, show up. Let's take you to that footage. Here's what happened live on Superstars, and, and they thought for a second it was really hot coffee. Look at this. Yeah, they thought it was real funny, and that wasn't all, because then during the free-for-all, Jerry the King Lawler, at face-to-face, look what he did to Mark Henry. Now, Mark Henry, as you know, JR, Mark Henry is, well, he must have butterflies in his stomach. Got to be nervous, but he's got to also be a little bit embarrassed and humiliated by Jerry Lawler as well. And there he is, Jerry the King Lawler. See, I think Lawler's a heavy favorite in this matchup. The only reason I watched any Olympics at all was to see if one synchronized swimmer drowns, if they all have to drown. That's the only reason I watched any. Lawler calls his shot before the match starts, saying he's going to put Mark Henry in a simple headlock, um, and then Mark Henry reverses it into a hammerlock, which pops me. Mark Henry gets a press slam. It's a very basic match with a lot of stalling, which might be because Mark Henry is new, but more than likely it's because Jerry Lawler's in the ring. Um, Jerry Lawler brings an object, or we think an object, he feigns to do it anyway, out of his tights and punches Mark. Mark then gets an over-the-shoulder backbreaker on Lawler and submits him. Leaf Cassidy runs out, and he's sent packing. Marty Jannetty, same thing. And then Triple H comes out, and he is press-slammed onto the other two as Mark Henry sends all the lower-tier heels packing. JR and Vince McMahon then talk about Buried Alive coming next month, where The Undertaker and Mankind will compete in the first ever Buried Alive match. We then go to a final curtain match, which is The Undertaker versus Goldust. Um, this is pin only, I believe. That's the, the stipulation for Final Curtain. I never quite got whether it was pin and submission or just pin. Um, so bear with me on that one. We have a video package leading up to the feud. This has been one of them feuds that I remember well, but it just never did anything for me. I just, I think 96 Gold Dust, the character was great, but the matches were god awful. And his character meshing with The Undertakers didn't do anything for me either. So this is two guys that I really like, but a feud that I don't have any time for at all, which is quite a strange one, really. Undertaker hits a lifting choke early and a leg drop for a two. Goldust comes back with a neck breaker. Undertaker with a big boot, a suplex, and old school. But Marlena distracts. I don't know why when there's no need to distract. This allows Goldust to use Goldust in the eyes of the Undertaker. But the point I'm making is he could have just thrown it straight in the eyes. He didn't need Marlena to distract the referee for this. Um, we get a claw and from Goldust, and then The Undertaker hits some rapid corner punches. A power slam from Goldust gets a two. The Undertaker with his big jumping clothesline, and then a choke slam. 
Um, choke slams gold dust from the top rope, actually, which is quite cool. And then hits a tombstone for the one, two, three. And mercifully, this feud is finally appearing to be over. As I said, it didn't really do anything for me. Um, so happy that this one, we can move back to Undertaker and Mankind and put gold dust in there with someone who, I don't know, will, will be able to fly around for him or just something a little different. I don't know. I just never really took to this. So if you really love the gold dust Undertaker feud, apologies, it's not for me. Next up, we have Kevin Kelly interviewing Shawn Michaels before our main event, which is Mankind with Paul Bearer challenging Shawn Michaels for the WWF Championship. Mankind's wheeled out in a casket, which is a good effect, and continues his feud with The Undertaker. We get started, Mankind hits a nice back elbow, and then the cactus clothesline. Um, He lifts up the mat on the outside, and as he's uh, sort of dragging it. Shawn Michaels drop kicks it onto him. So he lands underneath the mat and then Shawn just jumps on top of it, which is a quite a cool spot. Um, we have a crossbody to the floor from Shawn Michaels. They brawl along the outside. This matches in and out the ring constantly. A top rope axe handle and a clothesline from Shawn. Um, really good intensity on the brawling. Shawn Michaels um, manages to suplex Mankind on the floor and his legs hit the steel steps, which is a good story point in the match because Shawn then works over the legs. Um, a leg drag inside. Shawn Michaels um, pushes Earl away from him in the commentary team debate whether or not it should have been a DQ. We get a figure four and then some real high pace, high intensity back and forth between the two. Mankind locks in the tree of woe. They go back to the floor for a while with Mankind eating the steps face first this time. Shawn Michaels hits a power slam for a two, and then the hanging spot with Cactus going over the top and getting his neck caught in the ropes, which is quite cool. When Shawn goes to beat on him while he's there, he locks in the mandible claw on Shawn, which is just a great spot all around. Shawn Michaels lands chair shots to the leg and the hand of of, Cactus, sorry, of Mankind to not only work on the injury of the leg, but eliminate the mandible claw from the arsenal, works the fingers for a while. Mankind throws Shawn Michaels to the floor and then hits his um, diving elbow off the apron, which is quite cool. A spinning neck breaker on the floor from Mankind and a double arm DDT back in the ring for a two. A pile driver for a two count before Shawn Michaels hits his forearm, kip up, a top rope cross body for a two. Mankind attempts a back suplex from the turnbuckles to the floor um, where there's a table set up, but Shawn Michaels reverses it and cross bodies Mankind through the table, which is a brilliant spot. Um, just unbelievable but action here from both guys. Shawn Michaels hits sweet chin music into a chair into Mankind, which brings Vader out for the save. He's sent packing. Sid comes out as well. We get a DQ and the match is thrown out. Mankind locks in the mandible claw to Bells. Um, wants to roll Shawn Michaels into the casket, but when he goes over, the Undertaker pops out and stalks him to the back. Um, this was just... I, I didn't know justice by describing the move-by-move move here. It was fantastic. The... The action was quick and fast. The moves were innovative. The crowd were into it. The ending, finishing it in a DQ, was a bit of a bummer, but I actually liked the excitement, particularly of The Undertaker popping out the casket. So overall, this is in probably my top 10 to 15 matches I've ever watched. I'm going to ramble off in the halftime break in a moment, just a bunch of my all-time favorite matches in no order, and it's not a all-encompassing list by any stretch. But this one's, excuse me, right up there. Um... Yeah, watching it back many, many years later, it doesn't detract from it. I just sort of went into these two shows thinking this match is so great that it's going to kick Fall Brawl's ass, and we'll get to Fall Brawl in a minute and talk about it, but this match didn't disappoint on second viewing. I don't know, Mick Foley talks about in his book the disappointment in the ending, but the ending didn't deter this match for me at all. I still love this, and if you've never seen it, 
this is one of those matches I strongly, strongly advise you go back and watch. If you've never seen this match, you're doing yourself a disservice to have not seen Mankind versus Shawn Michaels at In Your House Mind Games. That will do it for In Your House Mind Games. So we're going to head over to the halftime break. And as just mentioned for today, we're going to look at a bunch of my all-time favorite wrestling matches and give you some recommendations to go back and watch some stuff if you haven't seen any of these. Alright, so for my list of matches that I think everybody should watch based on the recommendations of me and me alone, um, some of these will come as no surprise, but I'm sure a few of them might. Um, Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels, the first ever Hell in a Cell. That is an incredible match, and I would definitely recommend you go out there and watch it. Rockers versus the Orient Express at Royal Rumble 1991, and the Rockers versus the Barbarian and Haku at WrestleMania 7. Both of these matches open the pay-per-view, two back-to-back pay-per-views for the Rockers, and both just really classic tag team wrestling. I love both these matches. I struggle to split them. I'd say the Orient Express one is probably slightly better, but the WrestleMania 7 one, for some reason, sticks in my brain more, so both of those well worth a watch. Undertaker versus Mankind, Hell in a Cell, King of the Ring 98. I'm sure you've all seen this one already, but if you haven't, give it a watch. Um, The obvious spectacle, but I also really enjoyed the match itself as well. Kurt Angle versus Chris Benoit from WrestleMania 17, I think it was. Um, But basically any match these guys had was brilliant. Sorry, I tell a lie. I quickly paused and went to Google, and it was the Royal Rumble 2003 match I was actually thinking of. Um, I wrote some of these down without putting what event they were from the other day and regretted that immediately just then, so my apologies. Um, moving right along and sticking with Kurt Angle, him and Rey Mysterio, SummerSlam 2002. I think this was the opener as well, and this is on my list of top five matches to open a pay-per-view. It's short, but it's fast, and it highlights a debuting Mysterio perfectly. Eddie Guerrero versus Brock Lesnar from No Way Out. Um, 2004, I want to say. Could be 03, but I think it's 04. Um, well worth a watch. Bret Hart versus Owen Hart from WrestleMania 10. This one was just incredible. I mean, obviously, watch the latter match of WrestleMania 10 as well, but Bret and Owen put on a masterclass here. Undertaker versus Jeff Hardy from Monday Night Raw, the ladder match. I reviewed this on the podcast in the last three or four episodes and um, definitely recommend everyone go out and watch it. It's not as long as I remember it, um, having watched it again recently, but still a great emotional roller coaster and definitely elevates Jeff Hardy. Shawn Michaels versus Triple H, also from SummerSlam 2002. Um, Shawn Michaels' first match in four years and just a great story, street fight. Um, allowed them to take a few shortcuts and, you know, cover for Sean in case he wasn't ready to go, but he was definitely ready to go. Well worth a watch. Um, Third match from that same pay-per-view, Rock vs. Brock. Um, Really enjoyed that main event. Um, The video packages with the training montages leading up were also really good. Undertaker vs. Kurt Angle from No Way Out. I want to say 04, 05. Um, I'm not going to pause and check the events on all of these. If you type into Google Undertaker versus Kurt Angle, no way out, you will find it. But this was a beast of a match. Ultimate Warrior versus Macho Man, WrestleMania 7. So the second match from that card. This was a career-ending match um, after a bitter rivalry. And Macho had cost the Warrior the title at the previous pay-per-view, the Royal Rumble. This one is, again, well worth a watch. 
Now, all the matches you hear here are coming from WWE pay-per-views or, or Raw for one of them, I think. Um, and that's because that's what I grew up watching. So there's a ton of matches that would rank on this list, but they don't have the nostalgia factor for me, having watched them later in life and not in real time. So for anyone sort of claiming bias, I've always said on this show that I'm definitely fed bias or WWE in this day and age, um, because this is what I grew up on. There's some really great ECW and WCW matches I've seen over the years, but none of them stick in my mind. I just wrote this list without any internet, just pen and paper. What do I love that I remember? And this is what came out. So definitely not saying this is the greatest matches of all time, but this is what I grew up on, have that nostalgia, and they were really good matches. So if you're looking for something to watch, a random match here and there, check out my list. Give me yours. If you've got some from other companies, I'll definitely be willing to check some out as well. Anyway, that will do it for halftime. We're going to head over and check out Fall Brawl and the War Games. You want a war? You're going to get one. Full Brawl gets started with a video package getting us up to date with all things WCW vs. NWO. And then the commentary team is Bobby Heenan, Tony Schiavone, and the American Dream Dusty Rhodes. We see footage of the NWO um, trashing Lex Luger's car on the previous Saturday night. And we get into our first matchup, DDP taking on Chavo Guerrero. Chavo with a nice drop kick, to, uh, sending DDP to the floor in a somersault plancher. They brawl on the floor for a while. Chavo then works over the arm before DDP comes off the top with a clothesline and gets a bit of a long heat spot on Chavo. A nice back elbow for a two, and then a, a knee lift from Guerrero and a springboard forearm. A missile drop kick picks up a two. Comes off the top rope into a Hurricane Rana for a two before DDP tosses Chavo from one ring over the top rope to the other. Hit to sidewalk slam for a two, a huge spinning powerbomb for a two, and then a diamond cutter for the one, two, three, in what was a pretty decent opener from these two guys. Um, got a lot of time for Chavo and for DDP, so I quite enjoyed this one. We then go backstage and see Harlem Heat with uh, Colonel Robert Parker and Sherry um, on CompuServe, which dates the show very well. 
and a special NWO report on the attack uh, in inverted commas there from Mean Gene. This details the basically the rise of the NWO from Scott Hall's debut all the way up until this current week. We then go to our special submission match, Scott Norton taking on the ice train. So fire and ice explode here. This should be a big meaty contest with two huge guys going at it. The ref has a mic a bit like the Roddy Piper, what do you say, version of an I Quit match. What do you say? What do you say? I strain with a nice hip toss and a clothesline and a big splash before Scott Norton hits a DDT. Bobby Heenan says that you can't quit if you're knocked out. Dusty says not unless you're a good ventriloquist, which amuses the shit out of Tony Schiavone and Bobby Heenan. Dusty trying to get that line out. Ice Train then hits a power slam and locks in a camel clutch. WCW, it's at this point that I notice that the crowd looks bigger at Full Brawl than it does at Mind Games, despite the fact that the Mind Games crowd is a couple of thousand bigger. So some good production shout out to WCW there, which doesn't happen all that often. Ice Train with a snap suplex at an armbar. He works over the arm. Oh, sorry, Scott Norton with an armbar. Scott Norton works over Ice Train's arm for a while. Hits a neck breaker. Ice Train looks in a Fujiwara armbar. Scott Norton hits a power bomb, power bam, a power bomb, and then locks in a Boston Crab before switching back to an armbar. Teddy Long gets up on the apron with a towel ready to throw it in, but Scott Norton grabs him, and this allows Ice Train to lock in a full Nelson and put Scott Norton to the mat with the full Nelson and get the submission victory. Didn't see that one coming. I thought Scott Norton would run over the Ice Train there. Overall, though, not a bad match, all things considered. These two guys, it was probably... A little nonsensical when they had like a deep Boston crab locked in and they let go to go to a different submission. But other than that, it was actually a really good bout. Next up, it's the Mexican heavyweight championship. So generic Conan defending against Hoovy. Uh, Mike Tanay, of course, joins the commentary team for cruiserweight matches um, or matches with foreigners in as well. And Conan's out in his K-Dog attire. He does not fit the Dungeon of Doom at all. And he comes out with Jimmy Hart. Um, this look is a definite improvement for him. And the character is a huge improvement. But it just doesn't mesh with the Dungeon of Doom. When he gets into the NWO, it will make all the difference. Conan hits a lovely flip-out German suplex on Hoovy, who goes face-first down. It's a really great start. A flapjack from the floor to the out from the outside to the floor is huge as well. Some really good spots there early. Hoovy comes from one ring to the other with a triple jump, like spring off one rope, two rope, three rope over to Conan. But Conan just stood in the other ring. He's not um, he's not taken a single offensive move from Hoovy yet. So why didn't he just move or just not stand there? It's stuff like that that probably brings these um, fast-paced cruiserweight matches down a peg in WCW for me because it's a great spot. But if he was dazed in some way, it would have made it all the better. Hoovy with a nice suicide dive. Kodan with a powerbomb on the floor. Jimmy Hart shouting, Arriba la raza! <laughs> Popped me big time. Turn the tide of battle as this has right here. Using the safety rail, in That was awesome. That was absolutely awesome. We have seen in a span of five minutes so far, wrestlers almost going to the crowd three different occasions. 
Before the matchup, strategically, I expected Conan to try and slow things down, use that power, use that weight advantage that he has to try and keep Hooventut's high-risk attempts at a minimum. But obviously, everything's out the wind window as far Nice rolling lariat from Conan and a basement drop kick for a two. A hot shot and a leg lock and then a pair of German suplexes before Hoovy hits a springboard drop kick and a leg for a two. We get a somersault leg drop off the ropes and a 450, both only pick up a two. A spinning top rope splash picks up a two before Conan hits an Alabama slam for a two and a muscle buster for a two. And then a super raises edge. Um, they call it the power drop for the one, two, three. Another good match here. And that's three for three to start off with, with full brawl. Um, really enjoyed this so far. The next match shouldn't drop the quality down too much. It's Chris Jericho taking on Chris Benoit with some 2001 Royal Rumble vibes here for me. Benoit goes on the attack early uh, to a big reaction. He's really over here. A nice backdrop and a back suplex for a two. Benoit locks on the Lion Tamer, which, you know, down the line, like in years to come will be funny. But at the moment, at that moment was just a spot in the match. Jericho with a nice spin kick for a two, a leg whip, and then a springboard drop kick. Tony Schiavone predicts Chris Jericho will have a tremendous future, and I think he's probably got that one on the money. They botch a springboard. Dusty Rhodes says, I think he just broke his back immediately after Tony Schiavone said he was going to have a tremendous future, and that did make me laugh. A missile drop kick for a two, a powerbomb for a two, and a dragon suplex for a two, all for Jericho. A chop fest back and forth before Benoit hits a back suplex over the ropes to the floor. That was nasty. A hot shot and a top rope headbutt. Jericho comes back with a tombstone and a hurricane rana for a two before Benoit hits a super back suplex off the top for the one, two, three in another good match. Four from four. I did not expect this. Um, it's at this point in the show that I should point out that these pay-per-views, sometimes they take me like 10 sittings. Like I'll watch 20 minutes and I'll be bored and I'll flick it off. I'll watch a match and I'll flick it off. I'll watch two matches. I'll flick it off. Depends on the show, of course. And I don't do this with all of them, but... Full Brawl is one of the first shows I can recall in a long, long time where I actually got legitimately enthralled in the show and couldn't turn it off and just watched it all the way through. So that is something that very rarely happens with me. Next match is Rey Mysterio defending the Cruiserweight title against Super Calo. Um, Bobby Heenan makes the obvious joke about <laughs> Super Calo um, and it amuses Dusty Rhodes quite heavily. Super Calo hits a running bulldog and a slam and a top rope elbow. Mysterio comes back with a springboard Rana, Super Calo with a powerbomb for a two and a top rope shoulder block, a missile drop kick to the floor, a rolling senton over the ropes to the floor. Um, the story here is that Calo um, is basically in total domination and they're talking about Rey Mysterio either taking him lightly or coming in unprepared and not quite being at it. The match is a bit slow. Mysterio hits a somersault plancha, a springboard into a um, drop kick for a two, a rana off the apron to the floor, a double springboard ring to ring rana for the one, two, three. And the spots sound great, but the match itself actually wasn't that great. Super Calo, I guess, is not remembered as one of the top cruiserweights for a reason. Um, can pull off the good moves, but it doesn't go quickly and doesn't transition well. Um, I've long said that the cruisers don't really sell or it's non-existent, but you know, one move and then a break and one move and a break is definitely not the action we've become accustomed to. I think there is a happy medium in there. Um, and this just wasn't it for me. This is one of the, you know, one of the more disappointing Rey Mysterio matches I've watched so far. Next up, we go to the Nasty Boys challenging Harlem Heat for their tag team titles. 
Jerry Sags hits a clothesline for a two, and it's early on here. The Nasty Boys are so over with the crowd. They are going nuts for them. Stevie Ray with a spin kick, a nice back and forth, and Sherry's just being a pest and intersecting, intercepting it whenever she can. A four-man brawl. It's very basic, but the crowd response is better than all the quicker matches early, so go figure. Sags hits a face buster and a roll up for a two. A pile driver for a two. Booker T comes in and hits a scissor kick. Sherry with about the 15th interference spot of the match. Um, we get a, a long double team on Sags before he makes a hot tag to Nobbs, who cleans house, and that'll never not be funny after OSW on, I think, Royal Rumble 93, <laughs> if you don't get the reference. Um, a schmoz with the Colonel and Sherry getting involved. Um, and this allows Sherry to get the cane that the Colonel was follow that was carrying, sorry, nail Brian Nobbs over the head, breaks it over his head, actually, and Harlem Heat pick up the one, two, three, um, in a hot, but it probably lacked, uh, much flow this match, just a little too much outside interference, a little too many breakups, but overall the crowd were really into it and both teams were super over, so it was still quite enjoyable, this one. From there, we go to um, a WCW merch ad with Ric Flair trying to sell us a t-shirt, which is quite funny. Um, and then Mike Tanay with the Macho Man. He's thinking, thinking, thinking as he cuts a promo on the Giant and Hulk Hogan, which I'll splice in right about now. Isn't it ironic that the man who has been fined and suspended more than any other wrestler in world championship wrestling all of a sudden becomes the savior this evening at Fall Brawl? WCW looks to the macho man, Randy Savage. Now, you've blamed the giant for dropping the ball in the past, and your opportunity is next. It's your chance to shift that balance of power away from the new world order. Stop the music! We gotta take the universe and turn it upside down. Let it happen. Isn't it ironic? Yeah, you're right. Couldn't be more right that I, the evil necessity of the WCW, comes to the plate and guaranteed I'm gonna hit a grand slam against the giant. Oh yeah! Been thinking, 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 and the only thing that I can think of is to whip the giant and bring it all the way to Halloween Havoc and then take you, Hollywood Hulk Hogan, and do what I do best, rip your black heart out of your chest. Randy Savage, one thing you have to remember, you cannot overlook the giant. You can't be looking ahead to Halloween Havoc, even though that's your shot at Hulk Hogan and the World's Heavyweight Championship. You might be right about that. You know what? You are right about that. In this moment in time, I'm going to walk down that aisle. And I'm thinking that I'm going to take the giant and cut him in half. And he may be only 44 feet tall when I'm done with him. But, brother, it's going to be a message to the NWO that the Macho Man and the WCW will not be denied. Here I come. Ooh, yeah! From there, we go to Macho Man versus the Giant. Macho hands out some Slim Jims on his entrance, which is quite funny. Uh, the Giant comes out, and at first he comes out to the Dungeon of Doom music, and halfway down the aisle, I think they realize and they swap it to the NWO music. So here I am giving WCW a production shout-out earlier, and then they do that, which is quite funny. Um, Macho Man jumps him. They brawl on the floor. Giant press slams Macho from the floor over the top back into the ring. Hits some nice corner strikes and a clothesline, a backbreaker, and a bear hug. 
Macho Man slams a giant, hits a top rope elbow, and right on cue, Hulk Hogan comes out. Macho stupidly chases him up the aisle with the commentary team telling us it's a trap, and sure enough, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall come from behind the curtain and beat the shit out of Macho with a chair. Nick Patrick's in the ring with Giant, pretending not to see any of this, so it allows the NWO to roll Macho back into the ring and Giant to pin him for the 1-2-3. We then go to... um, Mike Tanay with Lex Luger and the Four Horsemen. And Ric Flair calls Mike Tanay Gene, which pops me. And then in comes Sting to tell them it wasn't him that attacked them last week. So I'll splice this in and let you guys listen. A bit of good story here. We are now just minutes away from the War Games, and decision time is here. Ric Flair, which member of the Four Horsemen has been chosen to replace the departed Sting in the War Games matchup against the New World Order? Tonight, we are in the house. The Horsemen built Sting and no Sting. It's Luger. It's Devilly, and it's an HMR. The Horsemen have stepped aside. You hear that, Gene? You hear it? That's the ambulance coming down the highway. They get the outsiders. You hear it? That's the medics wheeling in the carts. Very shortly, very shortly, the horsemen kick ass. Woo! The fact is, Luger, you lost a friend. We lost a partner. WCW lost an icon. But the fact of the matter is, if you want something done right in this life, you were a horseman once. We're just going to do it by ourselves. Sting or no sting. Lex! Oh, yeah. Wait a second. Wait Wait one second. Start it again, brother. I've been waiting six days for this. I got to hear this, but you better make it short and sweet. All I got to I'll make it real short. All I got to say is it was not me on Monday night. It wasn't me, Lex. Well, I'll tell you what. We got a war games right now. I saw you. I looked you right in the face before you cheap shot at me. And Stinger, I know it was you. I can't believe you. And I don't believe you. If you can't believe me, then so be it. I'll see you in a while. I hope we do. Luger, you're a lean, mean wrestling machine. Tonight, we walk the aisle. It's time for the war games. Let's go to the ring and Michael Buffer. And that takes us to our main event where we only know six of the eight competitors for the war games. It's Ric Flair, Arne Anderson, and Lex Luger taking on Nash Hall and Hogan with each having a fourth member who we don't know at this point in time. This is the first time I can recall, um, maybe it isn't. It's, we've got Michael Buffer for the intro here. It's early on in his tenure. I'm not sure if this is the first pay-per-view. I have a feeling that as soon as I've said that, I think he might have been at a previous pay-per-view, but feel free to check me on that. Um, Scott Hall and Arn Anderson start the match. Good choice there from both teams. DiBiase's ringside for the NWO as Arn works over the leg. Nick Patrick has somehow got back-to-back matches involving the NWO, and that's Fishy AF. Scott Hall with a back suplex, Arn Anderson with a spine buster. Commentary team tell us as this first five-minute segment is going, the NWO won the coin toss, so they'll get the next pick. And we get a countdown, and out comes Nash. The outsiders throw Anderson into the cage. Snake eyes, and these are two-minute segments now, so we get Lex Luger out next. A double clothesline to a huge pop, and then forearms to both heels. Scott Hall's thrown into the cage, and Hulk comes out next for them. 
Lex and Arne Anderson jump in for a big pop, but the heels do take control as we get a big We Want Flair chant. Flair's out next, so each team leave their surprise till last. Ric Flair um, goads Hogan into the second ring and then uses brass knucks on him and low blows both the outsiders. The crowd reach a fever pitch as the face is getting control here. And then for the NWO, out comes Sting. The commentary disgusted um, with Sting for lying backstage to say it wasn't him the other night, but he's now in the ring on the heel team. Scott, Scott Hall hits the outsider's edge to Arn Anderson and Hulk Hogan, the leg drop to Ric Flair. Before the last man um, comes out, though, Bobby Heenan kind of gives away the surprise by, you know, halfway through Sting's moves on the faces going, yeah, that has to be him. Like, well, of course it's him. Like, there's only one Sting, right? Like, there's no reason to have <laughs> said that at that point in time. But the fourth man for the faces come out, and it's Sting. So he comes out and cleans house. Um, he um, does a sp- Sting a splash. Um on everyone, and then the real Sting tells Lex Luger to stick it, gives him the up yours sign, and leaves. Um, the fake Sting locks on a Scorpion Deathlock in the aftermath on Lex, and Nick Patrick calls the submission. We're not sure if he submitted or passed out or what. It happened pretty quick and with a lot of people in. We then have a great visual of Lex crawling up the aisle away from the beatdown the heels are still giving, calling Stinger! Stinger! Macho comes out to get involved in the brawl. Um, he gets Hogan in the ring, but in comes a giant and choke slams him. The heels put the boots to Macho. Um, the other faces have been beaten down and run off at this point. So Liz comes out to protect him. Hogan sprays her and then cuts a promo, which I'll splice a bit of in right about now. Oh, Winston Salem! Wow. You know something? These two losers, these two lowlifes, they made a sacred oath. And they said that they would be together until death do us part. Well, courtesy of the NWO (laughs) and Hollywood Hogan, we're going to make that happen. Two pieces Trash. Eventually they spray Macho. It's a long post-match segment here. Um, it's a little unusual, actually. The commentary team try to sign off, but the NWO then walk them away, a bit like they normally finish Nitro, and they say they want all their demands met now. Uh, as we go to credits, and full brawl is a wrap. So this is going to be a tough one for me for both shows to try and rank them here, but... I don't shy away from tough ranking decisions, so we're going to have to go and do this. Um, First of all, we're going to go with storyline advancement. This is an easy one for me, and it's going to go to Fall Brawl. Um, The NWO story is in full swing, but also a lot of the other matches, like the Guerrero versus DDP feud carried on, Um, the Horsemen and what's going on with them. Um, The fake Sting real Sting is really the story, like the the diamond in the rough here, and it will lead to bigger and better things. So WCW definitely takes the win there. For crowd, I'm also going to go into full brawl. Um, I made the comment earlier that it looked like a bigger crowd, but they were also louder. They were hot for the nasty boys. They were hot for flair. There's nothing wrong with the WWF crowd, but I don't think (laughs) Jose Lothario versus Jim Cornette or... um, a heel versus heel tag title match or a 
announced 20 minutes earlier Caribbean strap match was really going to get them unglued. So for that, for that alone, I'm going to have to go to full brawl. Um, characters, I'm also going to go to full brawl. Um, this is turning into a bit of a whitewash when I expected it to be completely the other way before watching these. Production value, um, oh, a big part of me for the music gaff wanted to swap back, um, but just the fact that they made it look so slick, I'm going to go with full brawl again. And then match quality, I'm going to have to go with full brawl, which is ridiculous. Um, considering mind games as Mankind vs. Shawn Michaels, but full brawl had banger after banger after banger, and nothing really terrible on the show. And Mind Games had Jose Lothario versus Jim Cornette, a strap match between Bradshaw and Savio Vega, and a heel versus heel tag match, and a pretty dull Undertaker Gold Dust match, if I'm being honest. Um, the Bulldogs versus the Guns wasn't, sorry, the Bulldogs, the Bulldog and Owen versus the Guns wasn't terrible. Um, none of the matches were terrible, really. Jose and, and Cornette was like 30 seconds long, so I'm not going to rag on it too much, but. Other than the main event, there was nothing standout. And don't get me wrong, that was the best match on either show. Mankind vs. Shawn Michaels is an all-time classic. But WCW, by putting on like five good matches, you have to give them the win here. Um, so I never thought I would give Fall Brawl a five-point sort of whitewash against Mind Games. But here we are. So we did say when we first started this podcast that we were going to pick the real winners in the biggest head-to-head battles and it's not necessarily what history says it's got nothing to do with who won the buy rate who had more people in the arena it's just who put on the better show and fall brawl was better than in your house mind game so there you go um this might actually be other than when I knew like the outsiders were going to debut, this might be the first time that I'm probably more excited for Nitro than Raw and therefore the next batch of pay-per-views being more excited for WCW. I pretty much always watch the WWF stuff first because I've got such great nostalgia for it and it gets me to get going. And once I've watched one show, I have to watch the other before it gets too long in between, blah, 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 blah. But I actually want to go and see what happens on Nitro next. Um, Spoiler, I've already watched the Raw because as tends to happen on these shows, they are always a week out. So I watched Raw before I watched my games because Raw happened before mine games. Nitro happens after this pay-per-view. So it makes it a bit easier. I have to watch Nitro next. But if Nitro is a good show, then I think WCW has sort of started to win me over. And I remember 96, 97, when wrestling became back into the mainstream. I was in Australia in early high school years for me at the time. Um, no one had talked about wrestling. I don't think... I've really had any wrestling fan friends since I moved to Australia in late 91. In England in 1991, I had a ton of friends that, you know, were buying Series 1 Hasbro's, watching WrestleMania 6, watching WrestleMania 7, etc., etc. But from moving to Australia, really just watch wrestling at home. My brother was probably the only person I really spoke about with it. NWO hits and it becomes popular in the mainstream and everybody was WCW, NWO and it's not like we could watch live at that point in time or anything, but I was just always WWF. Don't care about WCW. Couldn't sway me. I never watched any of these nitros or never tried to seek out any of the pay-per-views. Just kept on with the WWF. I was like, no, WWF's better. And sure enough, Attitude Era hits. We get to 98, 99, 2000, and WWF obliterates WCW. So I'm like, yeah, it was better all along. But going back and watching it now, man, this NWO stuff was better than I gave it credit for at the time. And I'm glad that I've done this podcast to go back and watch this storyline because 
it's something I really missed out on by being a hard-headed WWF fan. So that's not something you hear me admit very often. And there it is. WCW at this point in time was clearly the better promotion. Anyway, that will do it for this episode. I will be back with Duncan to look at some SmackDown and Thunder very soon. I'll obviously have the Raw and Nitro um, from these two weeks coming out in the near future as well. Um, If anyone's got any other suggestions for shows or halftime topics, please, as always, get in touch on Twitter um, or hit me up in any way you see fit. Thanks all for listening, and I will chat to you all again very soon.